copy. I think we're going now. And we'll get the, the study up. So we're on Zechariah 7. And uh, we did the first half of the book last time. And um, so now we're going into in the fourth year of King Darius. Because what, where we were before was, um, you know, he, he went to them and said, basically at the end of last time, they were confessing that, yes, God was right and just to have taken them out and to have done to their fathers what happened because it's exactly what he had said would happen if they made the choices they did, and they made those choices. So, you know, here, here they are in Babylon, and, and they are willing, they're ready and willing to go back and, and rebuild the temple. In the fourth year of King Darius, the Lord's word came to Zechariah in the fourth day of the ninth month, the month of Chishlev. The people of Bethel sent Sherezer and uh, Regimelech and their, and their men to entreat the Lord's favor and to speak to the priests of the house of the Lord of hosts and to the prophets saying, should I weep in the fifth month, separating myself if I have, as I have done these so many years? So, you know, if you want to know that before the fifth month, you have to... <laughs> send someone in the ninth month <laughs> to, to get there and come back. <laughs> so then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me saying, speak to all the people of the land and to the priests saying, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and in the seventh month, and the fasting in the seventh month is the Yom Kippur that we're coming up on. Yeah. That, that's the fasting day. So when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and in the seventh month for these 70 years, did you at all fast to me, really to me? When you eat and when you drink, don't you eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? Aren't these the words which the Lord proclaimed by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and in prosperity and its cities around her and the south and the lowland were inhabited? So in a sense, you know, they're saying, well, sh so should I, should I weep and, and fast and set myself apart in this month? And he's going, he's, he's always, well, why are you asking me? When did you ever do it for me in the first place? You know, <laughs> you, you, you do that for yourself. The Lord's word came to Zechariah saying, thus has the Lord of hosts spoken saying, execute true judgment and show kindness and compassion every man to his brother. Now, this is a really phenomenal statement that he's making because people want to talk about, you know, God bringing judgment. Yeah. And his true judgment, he says here, is to show kindness and compassion. That's his judgment. His judgment says, yeah, you sinned, I forgive you. That's his judgment. His judgment is while we were yet sinners, he died for us. That's his judgment. So if we're going to execute judgment the way God does, yeah. we're going to say, yep, you're a sinner. I love you. And that's not love the sinner, hate the sin. That's love the sinner, period. Because the sin is in our business. The sin's between them and God. Yeah. And God said, you're a sinner. I died for you. I died to fix that sin. Yeah. So I have to tell myself that even 
instructing the knitter about V1. It's hard, though. That's the enemy. Let me not go there. It's hard, though, but it is. not for him to. And and that's... need to not think like that. What's amazing to me is the level of compassion that God has for us because he knows that living in these bodies that have senses, that have feelings, those they're so powerful and they're as real to us as anything tangible and they affect us and our ability. And, and it is, you have righteous indignation on behalf of your daughter and your grandchildren. Yes. And yet. And that's why, that's, that's why, Following God's instructions is very often described as wrestling. Wrestling with his commandments, wrestling with our flesh. Because we don't, we don't always want to extend that to someone when we're upset. No, we don't. No, we don't. We don't at all. We don't at all. But God's true judgment is to show compassion every man to his brother. Don't oppress the widow nor the fatherless, the foreigner, nor the poor. And let none of you devise evil against his brother in your heart. But they refused to listen and turned their backs and stopped their ears that they might not hear. Yes, they made their hearts as hard as flint, lest they might hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit by the former prophets. Therefore great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. It has come to pass that as he called and they refused to listen, so they will call and I will not listen, said the Lord of hosts. And really, what is his wrath? His wrath isn't against the people. It's against the hardness of their hearts. Right. He's going to come in and, and he, he, he's, come, he's doing what he's doing to tear apart and break down that hardness, which means that the way he does it is not going to be a way that is creating hardness. You know, he sent them out of the land to spare them. If they stayed in the land, they were going to die. Yeah. So his judgment that was showing kindness and compassion was to move them out of there. So when this all is happening with Zechariah, who has been captive? They're in Babylon. Well, they're in Babylon. Yeah, they so were the taken... Well, the Persians, no, the, the Persians are there because it's it's the Persians who send them. I think Darius is Persian, and I think that yes, he's the one who sends them back. So it's become Persian now, but they're still there. They've been there 70 years at this point. Oh. So this is coming at the end of that captivity. So did the Persians take over someone? Or they, 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 they took over. They, they went to war, and they, oh, okay. they took it over. Because it sounds... This is bringing me back in mind to One Night with a King. Yeah. It sounds like it's yes. happening during or yes. around that time. This would have been um, be probably before that time. Oh, before it happened? Yeah. Well, before, yeah, because because there there were some who stayed there. Yeah. Okay. Or it may have been. Because Darius was right. Bef wasn't Darius, Bill? How does Darius line up with Xerxes? Yeah. That's what I, okay, okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. So, so, okay. Yeah. Who, which, who was older? Darius was older, right? Yeah. And because when it's introduced Xerxes, I think it talks about his lineage. It talks about his dad, Darius. Yeah, yeah. I think there were a couple of Dariuses, but, but yeah. So, you know, there, he had been calling them. They refused to listen. So then, then they called, and I will not listen. And in a sense, you know, 
this is a great illustration of God modeling what to do with people in our life when they're making promises that they're going to change because they're desperate. And God says, God says, I'd like to see that change. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's great you're, you're calling out, but your promises in a moment of desperation are not necessarily going to cause me to stop the desperation. You're, you know, your, your promises and your crying out to me that is motivated by the desperation needs to be something more real for you to be in that place that you need to be. It's not that he doesn't help them. It's not that he's not with them. But the idea of listening to him is he doesn't necessarily change it. He's not being swayed by them. I think it was, it was a good illustration in my daycare. There was one little kid. Wow. He was like really resistant. Mm -hmm. And they give him chances. Mm -hmm. And then I say, well, you have to get three strikes or else. And you're out, you're out, you get a time out. So mm -hmm. He thinks by crying on me and wheeling me mm -hmm. that I'm not going to do it. Yeah. He's betting on me. Yes. And yes. If I give in and don't do it, yeah, because then you've reinforced. Yep, that's what you have to do. Well, you know, when my toddlers are little, what I try to do is I, I try to say yes, if at all possible. Um, and if they're asking for it in a way that's not okay, then I say, no, that's not how we ask for things. Right. And, and you know, I, I script them. I say, you need to say, you know, this... So that when they ask for it, like even if it's stuff that I'm not inclined to, I'm like, eh, I don't want to give them that. But if they if they get upset and then when they move to that point of being able to calm down and, and say it correctly, then I'll give it to them. You know, if it's not going to hurt anybody, I'll, I'll make a point to give it to them to reinforce that that's how we do it. That's how we do it. You know, I want to reinforce those things, not the the wailing and gnashing of teeth because if you're wailing and gnashing of teeth over a lollipop, it's just not, it's not okay. It's just not legit. I'm not buying it. Once I get him in there, once I said, no, I'm not, and I'm not going to drag you to time out. You're going to go. And then once he gets there and he sits down and he wails, not even a minute. And then he knows I'm going on with my work and ignoring him. He stops. Sometimes he even come back to me and say, I'm sorry, well, and he was probably overwhelmed. Sometimes he needs a break. Sometimes people need a break, you know. Just... Yeah, he's like my favorite kid. Oh, he's so sweet. Trouble. That, that's why. <laughs> you have a soft spot for him. <laughs> and, you know, and God has a soft spot for his people. But he's not, the, the idea of I will not listen, and, and this is one of the verses where people get this idea that God rejected his people, and he didn't. But not listening means... That's not going to make me change what's going on here. Um, I hear you. This is good. This is a good first step. Let's keep moving in this direction. You know, like when, when we were dealing with something, you know, we were dealing with, with some debt, and, and I was like, but you say you're going to provide it. And he says, your choice to go into debt did not obligate me. <laughs> I and I was like, oh, I had never really thought of it that way. You know, and so their choices, yes, crying out to God, yes, better to listen when he's calling out to you, you know, then you don't end up in this situation, but the I will not listen, he's saying, I'm not going to stop it because of this. Right. And, and we've read about all the times he did, and they repented, and he said, okay, it won't happen in your lifetime. 
because of this, but it is still happening. And not because, you know, he needed to be vindicated, but just because this is where it was headed. So when he knew they were ready, he let it happen. And, and so, 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 says the Lord of hosts, but I will scatter them with a whirlwind among all the nations, which they have not known. Thus the land was desolate after them so that no man passed through nor returned for they made the pleasant land desolate. Zechariah eight, the word of the Lord of hosts came to me. The Lord of hosts says, I am jealous for Zion with great jealousy and I am jealous for her with great wrath. The Lord says, I have returned to Zion and will dwell in the middle of Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. The Lord of hosts says, old men and old women will again dwell in the streets of Jerusalem. Now, just to point out, in in times of peace, people have the privilege of getting old. In times of war, they don't always. Yeah. So that's that's what he's you know that that's how I'm I'm understanding this is, you know I'm going to be there. It's going to be a time of peace. Old men and old women will dwell in the streets of Jerusalem. You'll be able to live there and get old. Exactly. Every man with his staff in his hand for every, or for, it says for very age, but I think that's supposed to be every. I copied it. So, from, so the streets of the city will be full of boys and girls playing in its streets. Because again, if there's war going on, kids aren't outside, you know, kicking the can. They're, they're inside and in hiding. And um, so this is a picture of peace. The Lord of hosts says, if it is marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in those days, should it also be marvelous in my eyes, says the Lord of hosts? The Lord of hosts says, behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I will bring them, and they will dwell within Jerusalem, and they will be my people, and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. The Lord of hosts says, let your hands be strong, you who hear in these days these words from the mouth of the prophets who were in the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid, even the temple, that it might be built. For before those days there was no wages for man, nor any wages for an animal. Neither was there any peace to him who went out or came in because of the adversary. For I set all men, everyone, against his neighbor." But now I will not be to the remnant of this people as in the former days, says the Lord of hosts. For the seed of peace and the vine will yield its fruit and the ground will give its increase and the heavens will give their due and I will cause the remnant of this people to inherit all these things. It shall come to pass that as you were a curse among the nations, house of Judah and house of Israel, so I will save you and you shall be a blessing. Don't be afraid. Let your hands be strong. For the Lord of hosts says, As I thought to do evil to you when your fathers provoked me to wrath, says the Lord of hosts, and I didn't repent. So again, I have thought in, the day, in these days to do good to Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Don't be afraid. These are the things that you shall do. Speak every man the truth with his neighbor. God is saying this. Yeah. Oh, okay, because it says, I repent 
Well, yeah, he's saying, he's saying, I chose, basically, I mean, this, and this comes, the challenge with this comes with our modern understanding and our Christian understanding of evil, when, when evil really just means, um, in this, like, to do bad things, like, hard hard things, it was going to be hard for you, Mm -hmm. um, which is the whole idea behind deliver us from, you know, deliver us from evil in the Lord's prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, or lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And, and it's, it's, it's saying, God, you know, get our attention when we're in those moments and, and let us, let us move out. And so the, the idea here is that at that time, your father's provoked me to wrath and I chose to send you out into this hard thing that you're doing. That was not easy. And I didn't, and repent just means change my mind and go the other direction. I didn't repent of it at that time because he'd repented of it before. Their repentance led to, you know, provoked his repentance. Right. And, and he would say, you know, okay, it won't happen in your life or okay, it'll, but it's still going to happen. You guys need to keep, if you would, if you would have kept repenting, it wouldn't have happened, but you didn't, you know. And so at the point, basically saying at the point where I said enough and I didn't stop it from happening. He's now saying, now I am ready to bring you back. Don't be afraid. So these are the things, because even in all the prophecies that we've been reading, when he said he would send them out, he was saying, but I will bring you back. And Zechariah is saying, okay, it's time. It's time. So these are the things that you shall do. Speak every man the truth with his neighbor. Execute the judgment of truth and peace in your gates. And let none of you devise evil in your hearts against his neighbor. And love no false oath. For all these are things that I hate, says the Lord. The word of the Lord of hosts came to me. The Lord of hosts says, The fasts in the fourth, fifth, seventh, and tenth months shall be for the house of Judah joy and gladness and cheerful feasts. Therefore, Love, truth, and peace. One of the very interesting things about Yom Kippur is it means a day like Purim. And Purim being the celebration, you know, with Esther when, when the people were saved. It's, it's basically, it's based on this idea that now it's a day of mourning and fasting and sadness. Yeah. But when Messiah returns, it will be a day of celebration because we'll be in his presence. That final judgment day is going to be a day like Purim where we celebrate our salvation. Um, And so he's saying these are going to be cheerful feasts. The Lord of hosts says many people and the inhabitants of many cities will yet come. And the inhabitants of one shall go to another saying, let's go speedily and entreat the favor of the Lord, and to seek the Lord of hosts. I will go also. Yes, many peoples and strong nations will come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. So he's, he's prophesying here of the Gentiles and the nations coming in through all of this. The Lord of hosts says, in those days, ten men will take hold out of all the languages of the nations. They will take hold of the skirt of him who is a Jew, saying, we will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. 
Behold, the angel who talked with me went out, and another angel went out to meet him and said to him, Run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem will be inhabited as villages without walls because of the multitude of men and livestock in it. For I, says the Lord, will be to her a wall of fire around it, and I will be the glory in the middle of her. Come, come, flee from the land of the north, says the Lord, for I have spread you abroad as the four winds of the sky, says the Lord. Come, Zion, escape, you who dwell with the daughter of Babylon. For the Lord of hosts says, For honor he has sent me to the nations which plundered you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. For behold, I will shake my hand over them, and they will be a plunder to those who served them. And you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. Sing and rejoice, daughter of Zion. For behold, I come, and I will dwell within you, says the Lord. Many nations shall join themselves to the Lord in that day, and shall be my people. And I will dwell among you, and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. The Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land, and will again choose Jerusalem. Be silent, all flesh, before the Lord, for he has roused himself from his holy habitation. And then Zechariah 9 becomes a poem, maybe a song. Is a revelation. The Lord's word is against the land of Hadrach and will rest upon Damascus. For the eye of man and of all the tribes of Israel is toward the Lord. And Hamath also which borders on it. Tyr and Sidon because they are very wise. Tyr built herself a stronghold and heaped up silver like the dust and fine gold like the mire of the streets. Behold, behold the Lord will dispossess her and he will strike her power in the sea. And she will be devoured with fire. Yeah, yeah, cities. Ashkelon will see it and fear. Gaza also and will writhe in agony. As will Ekron, for her expectation will be disappointed. And the king will perish from Gaza. And Ashkelon will not be inhabited. Mm-hmm. Yep. Foreigners will, will dwell in Ashdod, and I will cut off the pride of the Philistines. I will take away his blood out of his mouth and his abominations from between his teeth. And he also will be a remnant for our God. And he will be as a chieftain in Judah and Ekron as a Jebusite. I will encamp around my house against the army that no one pass through or return. And no oppressor will pass through them any more. For now I have seen with my eyes. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes to you. He is righteous and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephron and the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be cut off. And he will speak peace to the nations, and his dominion will be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I have set free your prisoners from the pit in which is no water. Turn to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today I declare that I will restore double to you. For indeed I bend Judah as a bow for me. I have filled the bow with Ephraim, and I will stir up your sons, Zion, against your sons, Greece, and will make you like the sword of a mighty man. The Lord will be seen over them, and his arrow will go flash like lightning, and the Lord God will blow the shofar, and will go with whirlwinds of the south. 
The Lord of hosts will defend them, and they will destroy and overcome with sling stones, and they will drink and roar as through wine, and they will be filled like bowls, like the corners of the altar. The Lord their God will save them in that day as the flock of his people, for they are like the jewels of a crown lifted on high over his land, for how great is his goodness and how great is his beauty. Rain will make the young men flourish, and new wine the virgins. And in chapter 10, Ask of the Lord rain in the springtime, the Lord who makes storm clouds, and he gives rain showers to everyone for the plants in the field. For the teraphim have spoken vanity, and the diviners have seen a lie, and they have told false dreams. They comfort in vain, therefore they go their way like sheep. They are oppressed because there is no shepherd. My anger is kindled against the shepherds, and I will punish the male goats. For the Lord of hosts has visited his flock, the house of Judah, and will make them as his majestic horse in the battle. From him will come the cornerstone, from him the nail, from him the battle bow, from him every ruler together. And Yeshua saying, you know, that he's the cornerstone. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's, you know, the the one who's come out. And, and I love that the house of Judah is his majestic horse in the battle. Yeah. They shall be as mighty men treading down muddy streets in the battle, and they shall fight because the Lord is with them. And the riders on horses will be confounded. I will strengthen the house of Judah, and I will save the house of Joseph, and I will bring them back, for I have mercy on them. And they will be as though I had not cast them off. For I am the Lord their God, and I will hear them. Ephraim will be like a mighty man, and their heart will rejoice as through wine. Yes, their children will see it and rejoice. Their heart will be glad in the Lord. I will signal for them and gather them, for I have redeemed them. And they will increase as they have increased. I will sow them among the peoples, and they will remember me in far countries. And they will live with their children and will return. I will bring them again also out of the land of Egypt and gather them out of Assyria. And I will bring them into the land of Gilead and Lebanon, and there won't be room enough for them. He will pass through the sea of affliction and will strike the waves in the sea. And all the depths of the Nile will dry up and the pride of Assyria will be brought down and the scepter of Egypt will depart. I will strengthen them in the Lord, and they will walk up and down in his name, says the Lord. Chapter 11. Open your doors, Lebanon, that the fire may devour your cedars. Wail, cypress tree, for the cedar has fallen, because the stately ones are destroyed. Wail, you oaks of Bashan, for the strong forest has come down. A voice of the wailing of the shepherds, for their glory is destroyed. A voice of the roaring of young lions. For the pride of the Jordan is ruined. The Lord my God says, feed the flock of slaughter. Their buyers slaughter them and go unpunished. Those who sell them say, blessed be the Lord, for I am rich. And their own shepherds don't pity them. For I will no more pity the inhabitants of the land, says the Lord. But behold, I will deliver the men, every one, into his neighbor's hand and into the hand of his king. They will strike the land, and out of their hand I will not deliver them. And that this is a very, very interesting statement. Because then the question is, who is the flock of slaughter? <laughs> yeah. You know? And, and 
I think on the one hand, I think that there, this is one of those things where ultimately, you know, I, he, I think he's, he's probably talking about the Israelites and, or the believers, you know, the, the kingdom, his, the people of his kingdom, um, including the Israelites. And yet I think that, I think that for all of us who are believers, when we look at this, this is one of those statements where anytime we see people giving glory to God for their rich, their richness, when the way they're getting rich is on the back of someone else, I think that those people can also be seen as a flock of slaughter. And I think that, I, I do think that God calls us, you know, it's why Christians have ultimately led the fight against all forms of slavery yeah. in, in all places and against all forms of oppression. You know, yes, non-Christians have also done that, but, but there have always been very devout Christians involved in those, those fights and, and I think that it is really amazingly interesting that the people who are profiting in those things are, are trying to give God glory. Yeah. Because there have also been people who claim, you know, that they're doing that because that's what God wants them to do and God has them doing it. And God's, well, God's prospering me. Surely he doesn't mind. You know, isn't that how we know God's, God's cool with what we're doing? We get rich. And, and God's yeah. very clearly saying here, um, no. And if that's what you're doing, there will be no pity for you. And, and so I think, that there's, I think that there's specific meaning, but I think there's also a somewhat universal message here that those who are truly, fr you know, when, when Scripture says they'll, they'll know that you're believers because of your love, you know, love and compassion, and he's saying my judgment is compassion and mercy, and, and my judgment is, is, is to take care of people. And when we're about that, we're about his business in whatever, you know, wherever we are when we see the flock of slaughter, mm -hmm. the command to us is to feed them and yeah, care for I them. Because I wondered sometime, I know um, some, a young lady that I knew that thought that she had a spirit, Bad spirit inside of her, uh -huh. you know, is that what you call it? And so, but anyway, uh, she was going to this person who is a, um, a minister of the gospel, mm -hmm. and he was charging her pray that out of her. And and then in my mind, I was like, how does that work? Yeah. If you're praying that out of her, isn't it God's power? Right. Through you, through your prayer, that's actually getting it out. Of right. You don't have, per se, the power to do that. So right. If you're withholding up, right? that, so, if she's not paying, it's because so I, I think do that. You have the right to pay. I mean, they say, well, he's got overhead, you know, he's in a building, he's got lights. And, well, there, so. there is, there is, um, there, and it's, it's really interesting because I've struggled back and forth with that and, and yeah. recently. You know, a, a friend of mine who's who's starting, he's he's, you know, gotten his certificate to teach yoga, and, and he's starting his business, and 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 you know, he talked about it not from a Christian perspective, but it I, how he said it really struck me, um, 
because it's it's not that he's and it because it's the way I've always felt about it because you know when I've done different things and when I've taken time to counsel with people in different places and and kind of you know give some guidance or you know and and I've I've always said money is not you know is not an issue however you know there is a recommended gift you know, for time when, you know, for people in different places and, you know, just for taking my, if I'm going to take an hour away from my family, you know, to do these things, it would, but if you, you know, it's generally people ask and, and it's, and there are churches that actually have a fee schedule set up for, for counseling or different things. And, and I, and I don't, I don't think that's wrong. I think that it's wrong if those things are withheld from people who can't pay and I think that with something like that that to me goes over into because it's like it's one thing if I'm if I'm paying for an hour of time for someone who has a gift of healing to do a particular you know for if they do massage and they just have a beautiful gift of it and and what what my friend had expressed is that you know when you're willing to give your gifts out and put them then the there there's a reciprocity and you know, it's, it's, it's good. It's a good thing to financially mm-hmm. help take care of the people who are giving their time to do those things that, it, right. that, you know, when you're not, when you're not doing it to get rich, when you're not looking at it as, yeah. you know, my income, you know, when it's, when it's this beautiful exchange is what it should be mm-hmm. and, and ideally is. But when someone, when, when you're looking at someone needing a spirit prayed out of them. That seems to me to be a very odd time to set up a fee structure. Yeah. You know, because that's. I think what she was going in was already in fees with different things that was already in place. And I'm pretty sure he counseled her to go right into. Well, but then it makes me wonder: Does she really have a demon, or is that is he the one who told her it's there? You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's she went to him though. He didn't come to her. Yeah, I don't out. know. She kind of sought him out. So I said, okay, well, yeah, that's true. He is in the building. He has to pay lights. I keep it on. Yeah. You're going to come, you know. And you don't want it to is one of those things, though. Into your house like that. I, like, I, looking at both sides of it, I think that there's a heart where it's, I've encountered where it's done in a way that makes me uncomfortable. Okay. And I've encountered when it's done in a way that doesn't. So what you're saying, like, if I come and say, oh, this, I know I have a bad spirit in me, I know I, it's a demon in me or whatever, and I know I've heard about you and that you can pray it out of me, but I have no money. I shouldn't be turned down because I, I have no money. Right. I would say, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I say that because, you know, in my own life, I was at a point, a very crucial point in my life where I was very... I, I was desperate in that I knew things needed to change, but I did not know how to do it. Right. And I spent over, I, I, it was days, yeah. days, minimum three days. It was a long time ago. I don't remember. But I, I know, basically, I went through the phone book, mm-hmm. and I called every church mm-hmm. and every Christian counseling center and everywhere that those places that I called suggested I call. Right. And 
no one would see me for anything less than a $35 an hour fee and that place because of what I was telling them and what was going on and where, you know, how desperate I was feeling, insisted that I needed to be seen three times a week. Even when I told them I only make 200 a week, that would be over half my pay. They said, well, if you want help, that's what it costs. And at that time, I basically I ended up going to Planned Parenthood for counseling, for, for personal counseling, because their sliding scale went down to $7. And I happily paid it. But if I had paid the 35 and, and, and God used it, God had it. There was a beautiful counselor. I learned so much from her, and she was very validating and supporting of, of you know, my beliefs and where I told her and what I was going through. And, and she was just an amazing woman. And, um, and that's, that's why, you know, as, as when I've worked with people, you know, it, it, for different things and it's, it's always been, you know, for, for, um, especially for, you know, non-members and stuff and just said, you know, here's, it, it's, you know, it's just a suggested gifting. It's not, it's not a, a fee, right. um, you know, and I've, and I've tried to be very clear about that because it's. If someone is in, if someone's desperate, yeah. How do you withhold that from them, and 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 sleep with your conscience intact at night? She was struggling college students. Yeah. When she could raise enough money to go, she went. Yeah, I mean, because because basically you're saying I'm sorry, you're just going to have to live with that demon until you can come up with some money for me, and and that's where I go building be damned. I, you know, if you can't, if you are not going to help someone who's desperate and in need. Because that gift came to you from God. Right. The devil ain't going to give you no gift. Right. To pray his demons out of nobody. Right. So that had to come from God. Right. <laughs> and, and the financial, the financial provision comes yeah. from God too. And and to me, that's kind of the, that 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 really fits with this, because if you are withholding the gifts that God gave you until someone can come up with the money, then you're getting rich on the flock of slaughter. You know, well, I guess if they really want to be rid of that demon, they'll come up with the cash. See, that's what made me think about that. Yeah, and and that's and that's the thing. You know, I. I I think of the the pastors who, with the mega churches who ha drive the Mercedes and the, you know, it's it's and one thing know, if you they should be able to afford to give somebody something right. You know, well, and you God you know, it's well one thing if you, I don't. It's not even if you've got a if you've got a prosperous church and and you drive a good quality car. That's great. Why do you need 10 good quality cars? You know, it's, it's, there's a point where I think that even though you're giving glory to God, blessed be the Lord, for I am rich. You know, it's, what are you doing with, who, who are you stepping on? Who, who are you sacrificing 
for that. Now, if you're rich and you're giving back and God just keeps blessing you financially and you're not stepping on anybody and you're not sacrificing anybody and when there's a need, you give the need, be rich. How awesome. You know, I don't think it's more holy to be poor than rich. I, I, and yet at the same time, I don't think that being rich is inherently evidence of God blessing you, <laughs> you know, or that yeah. being poor is the opposite, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like we're, we're, sometimes we look at the award show where we show that someone will come on and maybe get an award for a song that we all know, and then we'll be holding up the award. And first I want to thank God, and we're like, but is we, there we know a, that song. Yeah. <laughs> We've heard the song. <laughs> is, there, is there something they hear other people say, so they're saying with like, them you well, I think I it. So. <laughs> I think it goes to the fact that in our culture, you know, if a lot of people really have this idea that if you're American, you're a Christian, and you know, God's blessed our country, and which is, you know, a lot of the the outcry now is these things are happening. You know, anything bad that happens, God's punishing our country. Anything good that happens, God's blessing our country. And anybody who talks about doing something we don't like, we can't let that happen because God will punish our country if we do that. As opposed to going, um, our country is one of the nations. Where is your citizenship? Where is your your heart citizenship? I mean, I'm grateful that I was born in America. Yes, me too. But my citizenship is in heaven. Right. And I, you know, my desire is to be part of the remnant in this country. And whatever the country does, and whatever comes against it or happens to be great for it, I trust God to take care of me. Yeah, yeah. I want to be on that bandwagon. You know, and I'm grateful that I'm here because in other countries I know that believers are going through horrible persecution. And I'm happy, I'm grateful that I'm here. But I don't think God loves me more than the people who believe in him and love him in other countries who are suffering. And I don't think that... The Syrians now? Yeah. They've been barbed-wired from, they can't even go. They can't even flee into those countries no more, right? Yeah. They just had the incident with the tear gas? Well, and when I when I hear people talking about not wanting, you know, refugees, that's what happened in World War II. Jews were turned away. Jews could hardly, we never, never once during the years of the war, I think after, maybe the first year, but I don't even think then, I don't think we ever met our quota as a country for the number of people that we are willing to allow in each year. Yeah. And, and there were actually coffin ships floating around the world that were Jews who got out of Israel or got out of Germany, mm -hmm. but no, no other nation would let them enter. And so they literally sailed around the world until everyone on the ship was dead. And that is a big part of what prompted people to start going back to Israel and saying, you know, we have land. We have land that that scripture says belongs to us. And we have land that we were kicked out of. And, and we're going to go back there. Because no one else would let them in. No one else wanted them. And so, you know... I haven't I haven't kept up as much on what's going on with Syria as I with the Syrians as I as I should and I'm gonna you know I've, I've been trying to read some stuff the last couple of days but and, and listening to different things that are going on that's but ISIS that's causing all the problem, their problems right? yeah they're trying to yeah and 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 all and yet people are we can't let them in you know oh that's too many people why can't we let them in and you know what that's the saddest thing. 
Because that same thing could start happening to us. Right. I, joke, I don't know why America thinks it's so above any yeah. tragedy happening. Right, right. I guess because they have been seen it in their lifetime. Right. And their grandfather's life. Well, because we think persecution is, is, you know, being told that you can't yell hateful things at somebody. <laughs> yeah. But I want the right to yell hateful things at people. <laughs> You're persecuting me. <laughs> but verse, verse 7, he says, So I fed the flock of slaughter, especially the oppressed of the flock. I took for myself two staffs, the one I called favor, and the other I called union, and I fed the flock. I cut off the three shepherds in one month, for my soul was weary of them, and their soul also loathed me. Then I said, I will not feed you. That which dies, let it die, and that which is to be cut off, let it be cut off, and let those who are left eat each other's flesh. I took my staff favor and cut it apart that I might break my covenant that I had made with all the peoples. It was broken in that day, and thus the poor of the flock that listened to me knew that it was the Lord's word. I said to them, if you think it best, give me my wages, and if not, keep them. So they weighed for my wages 30 pieces of silver, which is where the, yeah. the 30 pieces of silver for uh, Judah yeah, comes that from. Idea. Yep. So they weighed for my wages 30 pieces of silver. The Lord said to me, throw it to the potter, the handsome price that I was valued at by them. I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them to the potter in the Lord's house. Then I cut apart my other staff, even union, that I might break the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. The Lord said to me, Take for yourself yet again the equipment of a foolish shepherd. For behold, I will raise up a shepherd in the land who will not visit those who are cut off, neither will seek those who are scattered, nor heal that which was broken, nor feed that which is sound, but he will eat the meat of the fat sheep and will tear their hoofs in pieces. Woe to the worthless shepherd who leaves the flock. The, the sword will be on his arm and on his right eye. His arm will be completely withered, and his right eye will be totally blinded. And, you know, we've talked before, especially in the parables, about the idea of the eye that's wide open to let the light of God in. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you see it coming back out versus the stingy eye. This is blinded. Mm -hmm. His eye of mercy is blinded. Chapter 12. A revelation, the Lord's word concerning Israel, the Lord who stretches out the heavens and lays the foundation of the earth and forms the spirit of man within him, says, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of reeling to all the surrounding peoples, and it will also be on Judah in the siege against Jerusalem. It will happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all the peoples. All who burden themselves with it will be severely wounded, and all the nations of the earth will be gathered together against it. In that day, says the Lord, I will strike every horse with terror and his rider with madness, and I will open my eyes on the house of Judah and will strike every horse of the peoples with blindness. The chieftains of Judah will say in their heart, the inhabitants of Jerusalem are my strength in the Lord of hosts, their God. In that day I will make the chieftains of Judah like a pan of fire among wood and like a flaming torch among sheaves, and they will devour all the surrounding peoples on the right hand and on the left. And Jerusalem will yet again dwell in their own place, even in Jerusalem. 
The Lord also will save the tents of Judah first, that the glory of David's house and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem not be magnified above Judah. In that day, the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. He who is feeble among them at that day will be like David, and David's house will be like God, like the Lord's angel before them. It will happen in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. I will pour on David's house and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, and they will look to me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and will grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for his firstborn. In that day there will be a great mourning in Jerusalem, like the mourning of Hadarimmon in the valley of Megadon. The land will mourn every family apart, the family of David's house apart, and their wives apart, the family of the house of Nathan apart, and their wives apart, the family of the house of Levi apart, and their wives apart, the family of the Shemites apart, and their wives apart, all the families who remain, every family apart, and their wives apart. This is the passage that in World War II, the Zionists, um, many of whom were Messianic believers, yeah. who believed that Messiah had come, which is the precursor to all of this being able to happen, mm -hmm. um, this is why they fought to make Israel a state. This is why they fought to go back to Israel. Um, they said Messiah had come. Judah has had these things happen to her. She's been sent out to all the nations. She's been despised in, in the Holocaust. And it, these things had to happen, but they've happened. And so now um, we are going to rise up and go back to the land that the Lord promised us. We are heeding this prophecy. We are stepping out to fulfill it. And if God gives us this land, then God's giving us this land and he's doing this. And, and that this is, you know, one of the, the promises that a lot of Messianic believers hold on to for, for what God's doing in, in Israel. And yet, you know, it continues to say that all the nations that come against Jerusalem are going to be destroyed. And that's why I look at the things and the choices that our, you know, our government makes and the way that we treat Israel matters. Yeah. I mean, in a sense, not for me personally, since I don't have the authority to change what they're doing. And I trust, you know, it just like in all the prophecies against Israel, when he was saying, if you're the remnant, I, I got your back. Yeah. Since I can't control what the government does, I want to make sure that I'm right with God. <laughs> because, yeah. because at that point, being an ambassador in this land is not, you know, is saying, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with the kingdom. I stand with his people. I want to feed the, the flock of oppression no matter who they are, but especially when they're his people. So, you know, Zechariah, it's beautiful. It's hard. There's, it's not all happy, happy, happy. You know, people who think God just wants us to be happy. Have you read the prophecies? <laughs> really? <laughs> 
said. Yeah. You did. Yeah. And there's you a know, lot of messianic. Yeah. And, and obviously the gospel writers understood the messianic elements of Zechariah, especially. There's a lot that they saw happening and that they pointed out had happened. You know, him entering riding a donkey, the 30 pieces of silver, the broken and bruised and pierced. And, and you know, it was, it was after Yeshua's time that, and, and when the new believers were still part of the Jewish community, that the um, uh, Afikoman was added to the Passover Seder, talking about the being broken and bruised and, and the piercing. Um, and, and yet, you know, today that they've lost the understanding of what it means. They have ideas, but, you know, that's where the whole idea of coming in and going, no, I see Messiah in this. I see this. So I think there's a lot of places in the Old Testament that people try to shove Messiah, and then I think there's a lot of places he very organically, obviously, is. So... I'm just not sure how you did that. (laughs) I am wondering... I, I am thinking, I thought that was 12. Oh, 12? Yeah, and yours goes on two more chapters? 13, 14, yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. Well, maybe maybe I'll make that the the portion, the Torah portion, part of that for um, Yom Kippur. Oh, okay. I have to go back. It's I, I'm sure it's in there. I'm sure I thought I was done and just stopped because I had to leave and didn't get back. But um, I... There's, I've, I've really been praying about what to talk about on Yom Kippur, and I'm kind of excited at what I see God's putting on my heart. So yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. finish it there. Well, yeah, because when you talk about the apart things, uh huh. That's where that 12 is. I paid a dollar for this Bible, so yours might be. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I was in the dollar store at least, and I was in the How book, and I was funny. Stuff like, really? And teaching them. And then. Uh, they didn't say, Mom, look at Bibles here, and the, they come in white and black. And I was like, it's not the whole Bible. This, it can't be the whole Bible. And this was like, it appears to be. Bible. So it was all wrapped in Which dollar store? Maybe I'll go. <laughs> Maybe I'll go grab some. Bible for a dollar. Oh my so goodness! Yeah, we'll see. Well, I'll see. We'll go check. I'm sure it's in there. I'm sure that was on me. I'm sure it's completely on me. So, so I said because I could kind of put it in my purse. Yeah, it's nice. And maybe I'll go get some of those for yeah, when people are here. That'd be good. Is, uh, and if people don't have one, what version is it? It's the King James. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. KJV, yep, yeah, the King James Version, yeah. Yeah, it's a, but me, I was brought up on King James, so I don't yeah. have a problem with the ye and the yay and the, yeah. when I learned uh, verses, you know. Uh, I think it's just harder people. for young people, because it's so far removed from how anybody they know talks. Yeah, because right now, as a young child, I learned that First Corinthians 13, my grandmother was in the household of Ruth, which I found now that's supposed to be demonic. Oh, yeah, yeah. My dad was in the Masons. Oh, wow. My grandmother was in the household of Ruth. Oh, wow. I didn't know until Lisa started revealing things. Yeah. Just a young child. Right, right. To have me there, I guess I must have had pretty good memory. So, you know, I had memorized First Corinthians 13, and they would have me talk to a podium and recite that. Oh, wow. I remember the little child being a little nervous. Well, yeah. I'm the yeah. Saying it actually. But speaking yeah. scripture, that's beautiful. 